Welcome to the History Film Club. I'm Alex von Tanzelman, a historian and screenwriter. And I'm Hannah Gregg, a historian and a consultant on television. And today on the History Film Club, uh, Hannah, we've got a very exciting applicant to join the club. We have Manuel Barcia. Manuel is a chair of Global History at University of Leeds, and his book, A Yellow Demon of Fever, Fighting Disease in the 19th Century Transatlantic Slavery, won the incredibly prestigious Paul E. Lovejoy Prize in 2020. So we're delighted to have you. Welcome, Manuel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We were going to talk specifically today, but we're going to just start with um, a fascinating film that some of our listeners may not have seen, but they can see it on YouTube with English subtitles, which is La Ultima Cena, The Last Supper. It's a Cuban film made by a you know, very prominent Cuban director, one of the most important Cuban filmmakers of the 20th century, called Tomás Gutiérrez Alea um, in 1976. Manuel, could you just start us off by kind of just introducing the film to us a little bit, telling us something about it. Yep. Um, so basically the, the, the story of the film uh, centers around a slave rebellion um, in a, in a, on a plantation, on a sugar plantation in, in 18th century Cuba. There, there are a few things that are worth mentioning here. The first one is that this, um, the, the film is based on, on, on real events, even though there is no disclaimer at the beginning that they are actually trading on, on, on something that was actually that actually happened. The historian who served as a, as a consultant to this film uh, was probably one of the most important historians of 20th century in Cuba, Manuel Moreno Fraginal. And, um, and he actually, you, you can see actually uh, the, the, the very fine tuning of details in the film, thanks to, to, to his collaboration as well. But basically, this is a um, the, the, what happens. It's a really interesting story. It's like I'm not, I'm not going to to spoil the end to the to <laughs> to those who who are listening. But what happened is that uh, and and again, this is a real story. In the film, they place it in the 1790s, and I'm going to explain you why in a minute. Uh, but in real life, it happened in 1727, right? So basically, there is this count, the the, the count of Casa Bayona. A Spanish noble who had um, uh, had become rich with uh, uh, with the slave trade and, and and slavery, and he was a very pious, very religious man. And he, one day he decides during during Easter, uh, he decides to imitate the last uh, uh, days of Christ. So he goes to his plantation to his sugar mill that was called Quebracha. Uh, it was south of Havana, and he. First, he, he decides to um, have a mass, and then he decides he picks twelve um, Africans. I think I think all of them were Africans, if I recall well, uh, and slave Africans. And he washes their feet and kisses their feet, and then invite them to his table uh, to have a last supper. Pretty much at, at him um, uh, being the, the, the personification of Jesus Christ and the 12 enslaved Africans say they are going to be the, the apostles. And well, um, again, I'm not going to say how how the story ends, although eventually probably will filter at some point to what I'm talking, but um, <laughs> let's say that that what, what the count, what the pious uh, religious count had in mind uh, was not exactly what happened at the end. <laughs> so it was... Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, the things didn't go according to plan. Let's put it that way. So the the interesting thing about this is that the 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 film actually is placed at another historical moment, and this was done on purpose. They place it in the 1790s because in that way they can actually bring into the into the narrative the 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 revolution that was taking place in the neighboring French colony of Saint Domingue, which eventually is going to be known as the Haitian Revolution, and it it, it ushered the second independent republic in, in the Western Hemisphere, the Republic of Haiti. But the, it, it, so basically you can you can see in the in the film the Haitian influence that has has been uh, so important in, in, in the study of slavery in the Atlantic War in the past 20 years. Some of the most important books uh, written about, uh, about um, slavery in the Caribbean, for instance, uh, in the past 20 years, books by, by Julia Garfield, by Ada Ferrer, they have been focusing on how this Haitian influence uh, led to more and more slave insurrections in Cuba. And, and we act- there were actually quite a lot, none of them, is the focus of this film, but it worked quite a lot. Yeah. Well, I'm so um, grateful to you for suggesting this film as a starting point in the discussion because I would represent the listeners who are not familiar with it and will definitely put the link out uh, with the podcast because yeah. I have been watching it. And I have to say, I feel really quite frustrated and sad in that this film was made in 1976 and it touches on so many themes that we're talking about kind of currently in terms of how can we get films to better represent um, the history of slavery um, that are not written kind of the perspective of abolition where historians are used and engaged and, and, you know, drawn into the conversations about filmmaking, how it can be told sensitively and creatively and with, you know, that so much of the script is lyrical in its power about the language of skin tone and race and the the kind of event around that's that's structured in the centre of the film. So I just felt really kind of, oh, just frustrated that this is 45 years ago and it's almost as though it's been forgotten or certainly hasn't been widely seen here. And why is it that we still haven't moved on in terms of our filmmaking when there was this wonderful film in the 1970s? These are are all brilliant questions. I I have to tell you... um... And, and it also links with many issues that we are dealing today, like the, the like the, the the removal of statues, for instance. You know, an interesting fact about this uh, about this movement is that uh, this 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 is going to happen in a plantation, a sugar plantation. It's, it, the name was Quebracha. So after the repression that that ensued after the the revolt, the um, the count is going to apply to the government and it's going to apply to the king to have the plantation swept from the face of earth. So this is this is a money making machine, okay? But the the image of the existence of that place is still so powerful that the only thing, the only the only way forward they can see is by getting rid of it altogether, completely. They basically erase this plantation from the face of earth, and then they built a town um, on, in the place where the where the village was. Now it's, this this town is called Santa Maria del Rosario. Uh, so you can visit if you go to Cuba, you go to Santa Maria del Rosario. You're pretty much on the grounds of that uh, former plantation. But they just they they try to um, eliminate it from from historical memory. And the funny thing is, that many years later, in the 1780s, actually, the Cuban planters they make a petition to the king, and somehow they go back to that story. Still, is there. 60 years later, they're still talking about it. Wow. I mean, and it is. I mean, something that struck me about it as well, watching it, is that I mean, absolutely, as Hannah said, and as you said, it's sort of it's much more sophisticated I think than a lot of representations of slavery that we've seen in kind of British and American films in that 
there's a real sense of the complex differentiation between the slaves. They come from different parts of Africa. They have different customs and takes and traditions. Yeah. Um, I mean, this sounds so basic, but actually it often isn't done in, in Western funny. film. Um, you know, it's sort of, it's really quite fascinating. And then, of course, there's this extra complexity in that the overseer is, it was what would be called a mulatto, a mixed yeah. race person, basically a light skinned um, black man. And, and of course, that sort of ties in, doesn't it? I mean, this is, you know, this ties in with more recent Cuban history when this was made as well, that, you know, there's a sort of, there's a racial complexity about that too, isn't there? Oh yeah, by all means, and and of course this the 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 the, the racial hierarchy of uh, of uh, colonial Cuba was uh, pretty much actually again you have you have the similarities with uh, San Domingue, and as a matter of fact the the master of sugar um, they have in in the film, who is also a racially mixed man coming from Santo, Santo Domingo, he keeps talking about about the the the, the race war and how uh, the so-called mulattoes and the, and, and the blacks they are actually enemies to a certain extent. Um, and and in Cuba, they uh, the whites, the colonial authorities, they were very um, uh, careful to to cultivate these these um, uh, these differences because they they you know it's, it's the 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 moniker of divide and rule, right? Um, also, um, when they would um, put together the the the, uh, the enslaved Africans in the plantations, they would make sure to mix them up, not to bring all of them from one single. Um, uh, a part of Africa because they knew that then uh, they could not communicate among themselves because they would speak different languages or they had actually rivalries that were coming from Africa and they, they were not, I mean Africa is, is not a place, you know, it was not a place it's not, uh, they, they, uh, they, they actually made emphasis on, on, on splitting uh, the, the society that they had under them as much as possible in order to keep uh, ruling them uh, and, and they always uh, try to portray themselves as, as a humane, a humane colonial power, which of course was not. You know, there are there are quite a lot of discussions about this, but they were not. And uh, to to go back to your to your point about the the sophistication of the film, I I actually think it's true, and and I don't want to say very much because you actually asked me to have a, a pet peeve, and I'm going to actually talk about something related to this, but I don't want to to go into that now. But um, the, it, it, there is little doubt that uh, the way that filmmakers approach these topics very very often is clouded by the judgment of the filmmaker or the judgment of the historians who are helping the filmmakers um, and and of course this this actually has an effect on 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 the final product on the final uh, thing that make it to, into into a screen you know well, i think we should probably insist that nobody makes a film now or embarks on a project without watching that um, 1976 <laughs> film first so it's in everybody's um, filmography um, is, are there any any kind of productions since then that you feel reach a comparable standard or is everything else after that just um, rather disappointing to us oh I have I have a very very controversial opinion here I, <laughs> I think that the the film uh, that I probably thought it got closer to the truth in everything um, it was um, Quentin Tarantino's uh, Young Chain, yeah. Because actually, uh, I think that, that he he got there by by sheer luck. But because you know, anybody who has watched Tarantino's films before have seen that violence, like raw violence, you know, gory violence, is part of what he does. But as it, as as it happened, he just carried on doing what he does in this film, 
but here it fits here it really really fits you know he actually introduces things like this mandingo fight which is of course not something that at, at least we know it happened this is an invention that he makes but there were worse things like this you know there were way way worse uh, um, events that, that took place a repression that, that took place in plantations so all over the, the, the Americas uh, the way that the slave trade was carried out I mean we, we still don't have as far as I know a good film uh, that portrays the horrors of the transatlantic slave trade so we have some historians have tried to um, uh, portray it here and there I mean you have uh, this famous film by Steven Spielberg Amistad but this is a film which has plenty of problems um, and not least, you know, that, um, that you know, like in, in the films that Spielberg has, has uh, made about Africans or, or slaves in general, um, they, they don't tend to be the protagonists, really. And, and you know, there is, uh, there is not a lot on that. And then, you, of course, you have, you have people who have been trying to, to, to do things, but they don't get the funding because, again, uh, it's, it's not a, a topic that, that uh, probably in... in uh, thrills producers anywhere um, so you know there are there are and, and then you have one more thing here it's, it's American ex exceptionalism as well most of the stuff that is that is uh, made about slavery um, is made for American slavery right not not for mm. what happened in places like Brazil or Mexico or or the Caribbean or you know um, actually, now that, that I mentioned this, there is a new um, series in Amazon Prime. It's called, well, it's not new anymore, but it's been there for a while. It's called American Gods. And one of the gods mm -hmm. in that in that series is Anansi, in, and they call him Mr. Nancy. And I think that the most powerful scene I have seen, ever seen, in any kind of film, anywhere, is, is in, I think it's episode three of this series, in the first season, when, when uh, Anansi, which is a... A, 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 a goat from the Gold Coast in Africa, from where it's to Ghana, Togo, Benin. He actually gets into a slave ship, and he talks to the Africans on the in the hull of a ship, and he incites them to rebel. The speech that this guy gives in this uh, this goat gives in in the hull of the ship. It for me is the most powerful thing uh, that I have seen, and I think Orlando Jones wrote it himself. Uh, and and it, it's, it's it's fantastic. I cannot I cannot recommend enough uh, for people to see this thing. It's, it's everything done about slave trade so far. Unfortunately, it's three minutes long. <laughs> well, that sounds brilliant. I must say, I haven't seen American Gods yet, so no, I will definitely check that out. And I mean, I think you're right. I think there's kind of one of the huge, I mean, one of the problems I think with putting slavery on screen, and obviously, you know, lots of productions have done it in America. I mean, you know, there are, it, it touches on it, you know, obviously you've got things like 12 Years a Slave that really, yeah. Then go for it. You've got, you know, films like Lincoln that kind of go, you know, it, it's included in the story, even if it's not central in that story or whatever. But one of the problems, I think, is that people find it very harrowing, you know, for obviously because it's so upsetting and horrible to watch that film producers are worried about making films like 12 Years a Slave because, you know, how do you get people to go and see this film that everybody thinks is going to be very depressing and distressing? Um, you know, and then how do you approach that as a filmmaker to try to somehow bring an audience into that without kind of making it some very uh, saccharine, uplifting story or, you know, a white saviour story that we've often seen. I mean, it is it is a challenge, isn't it? It is a challenge, but but again, it's, uh, you know, um, we, 
get so many probably you know this this is not gonna be my, my pet peeve what i thought about it when i was uh, trying to come <laughs> up with with a pet peeve we get so many stories of zombies for instance my god so many zombies so many vampires so many it's always the same rubbish you know it's like we are feeding people the same rubbish time and again and again and and no wonder our societies are broken. The only thing that we were, we watch is crap. So they probably shouldn't be sweating here. But anyway, uh, this this is what we <laughs> no, are. We're fine with that. So, so but, uh, good. Uh, uh, so basically, what 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 are we where are we going with this? You know, like like we can we can continue to to uh, uh, to, to watch uh, stuff that has no relevance. That has no, you you gain nothing from seeing uh, a, a bunch of vampires fighting a bunch of werewolves. Uh, you know. Um, and and yet there are there are human stories right there that they are just as interesting because many of them are very very interesting actually this is a, the, the 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 thing that I keep thinking about is that there are so many interesting stories stuff that happened that actually you're reading a document from the 18th 19th century and you you're reading what what you're seeing and you are like okay this is this is phenomenal this is fantastic I mean I'm gonna tell you a story this is not this is not Africans but it happens in Africa and it has to do with the slave trade the British are going to try to to move from uh, from Sierra Leone to Fernando Po, which is to the Bioco or it's, um, uh, Equatorial Guinea in 18, 1828, 1829, right? So they send, um, uh, they send a mission there to try to, to, to create a settlement. And, and the guy that they send as, as a governor, the first governor of this settlement is, is a, a, a Colonel Nichols, right? So everybody gets sick, including him. Uh, but, and then there is a description of what is happening under his uh, control. And the guy... At some point, he's, he loses his voice. But the, 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 the funniest part here, the, really, the thing that actually made me laugh when I was reading the document, is that there is this guy who is a subordinate, and he's writing to London and telling, the guy has gone nuts. He doesn't let anyone say that we are sick. Everybody's dying. He is dying. But he doesn't want anyone to say anything about people being sick. Everything is rosy. And obviously, he cannot get, up, get out of bed. And if you point out this to him, he tried to beat you up. You know, there, there, there are stories everywhere. And these, these things, you see them all the time in the sources. Like Richard Robert Madden, I posted this in, in Twitter the other day. Richard Robert Madden interviewed some, some uh, members of the, of the crew, which were a, a, a sailing um, uh, group of Africans uh, along the, the coast of West Africa. And he tells a guy, he started asking him about God, right? Um, and, and at some point he tells him, so uh, uh, how many uh, gods do you think that they are out of there? Because he realizes, you know, like they are not, they don't believe in, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So how many gods do you think that they are up there? And, they, and the, the African replies to him, I don't know. I've never been up there. I cannot tell you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> how, how, how I'm going to know how many gods are there? I haven't been there. <laughs> uh, so th these these things you find them all the time. You know there, there are stories to be told, human stories that they are funny, they are interesting, they are captivating um, if you tell them correctly. But yet we seem to stick to zombies. By the way, what, which by the way originally come from from the, the concept of the zombie comes from from Haiti as well. Yeah. Very very um, uh, very different concept. But anyway. <laughs> If you're enjoying History Film Club, please join us at www.patreon.com forward slash History Film Club. You'll get a free badge and various other exciting goodies depending on your level of membership. See you there. So fewer zombies on screen um, is what we need. And I think that, you know, I think we need a more honest conversation about how we, if we can confront a painful past, we can actually try and tell stories in different ways as well. And yeah. one of the, perhaps the positive, 
one of the opportunities that's offered by the streaming networks is the chance to tell a long story mm. and the kind of the long form narrative um because you know a two-hour film might be episode and take you through a particular event but it's not going to cast a bigger picture um whereas perhaps we can have a bigger range of human stories if we if we use the the, the long narrative and i think something like roots you know the miniseries which was in the 1970s as well wasn't it and then remade more recently yeah. took that kind of longer approach um and we haven't seen no. that yet for a while so maybe there's an opportunity there well actually one of the things that uh Sena shows us i think is that actually that is going back to an extraordinary real historical story and it's so visual because of this last supper metaphor and of course you know we all have uh leonardo's painting in our heads somewhat and they certainly nod to that in terms of the cinematography and everything and yet this is at core, you know, much as they've sort of, you know, as I say, shifted the timeline, whatever, this is actually a true story. They have gone and found one. And it has, the film really does have a kind of very dark humour in it, doesn't it? I mean, it is, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's not, I mean, I really, yeah, I definitely just would really recommend people watch it. I think it's fascinating. Um, it's not kind of, you know, necessarily, I mean, it, it's certainly distressing in points, but it's extremely interesting very clever and extremely extremely detailed as well and this is a, it's something that is that is, I, I always uh, I found fascinating about this film is how detailed it is it's because you can you can make a film about slavery and just you know uh, uh, follow the same tropes that everybody follows but here there are discussions about, about cuartación which is a, a system the Spaniards had to to allow um, a slave the enslaved to by their freedom, by by installments, for instance, and this is discussed there. And you have the old man, um, if I recall well, that he's given the freedom in the middle of, a, of the of the of the supper, and he doesn't know what to do with that freedom because he's eighty years old. And where is he going to go, right? Um, so it's very easy to free a man in his eighties who is not producing for you anymore. Actually, if anything, it was something that that they look forward to because I will get rid of, of of another mouth to feed. Um, they, they talk about the barracón, for instance, or the barracks, where they would put the, the Africans. Uh, and, and although the concepts of the barracón has changed over the past few years with uh, archaeological excavations, and, and we have come to understand that also inside the barracón, because they would be locked away overnight, it became very fertile um, environment for conspiracy, for, for rebellion. So, you know, there are... There are I would probably go as far as saying that, that there is uh, almost every important detail of, of the way Cuban slavery uh, function in the 18th, 19th century is, is, is actually there. You can see it somewhere. At some point, it pops up in the story. Well, we usually ask applicants to the film club to nominate something for the club library, but I think I'd insist that we won't allow you to apply unless this definitely comes into the club library, the last <laughs> supper, <laughs> because I think it has to be um, included in our in our collection. Oh, I um, would be glad to, to propose it, although I had another another thing in my mind, but I'm pretty sure what I'm going to propose, somebody else proposed it already. But anyway. <laughs> well, we'll definitely take the last up, I think, when we, Alex. I think that's yeah. just... We'll take that, but we can also, we can listen to the other option too. You know, it's a big library. So... I, so my, yeah, I, we're I, open-minded. I, <laughs> yeah. my, my, my struggle to watch films with my wife is always that she wants to watch films that have a meaning and I want to watch stuff like Terminator. Um, so I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> Is there no meaning in Terminator? There's um, depth there. There is, there, is a, there is a meaning in Terminator, but you know, I, I actually like this uh, this kind of film. That the, the, the film I was going to propose was Life of Brian. Yeah, everybody has watched this film repeatedly. Anyway, there is there is one moment in this film when they are they are chasing him all over town. I don't know if you remember this, and and he touches a girl, 
And the woman picks up the guard and says, he touched the guard, he touched the guard, follow the guard, follow the guard. So everybody's following him. But at some point he loses a, a shoe, a sandal. And, and the, the, the other guy, I think it's um, John Cleese, he picks up the, the, the sandal and he says, follow, follow the, the shoe, follow the sandal. And they pretty much divide. And this is pretty much the way that religions have divided over time. You know, like one, one whoever thinks it's a guard, follow me. Whoever thinks it's the sandal. And then... The people who have the sandals, they start fighting over whether it's a sandal or a shoe, and they split as well. Um, <laughs> to, to me, they, they, this thing alone merits this film to win every, every Hall of Fame. It's, 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 and there is so much as well, you know, like there is, the, the, again, it's a historical film that tells a story that, uh, um, I mean, the, the film has been criticized by, by uh, quite a lot of groups because they, they somehow, somehow they have associated, um, Brian with uh, Jesus Christ, which of course they are not the same person. Jesus Christ actually appears in the film, uh, and and I would never forget this because at some point he also said something like "Blessed are the Greeks" or something like that. And this is a, this is a scene of the when they start punching each other. Um, I, you know, it's it. I, I really think it's a brilliant film. Um, and and the the way he played, they play. I mean, you have to remember when this film is made as well. It's the seventies as well, right? And you have the, the, the way they play with um, um, guerrilla ideas, for instance, like the people's front of Judea and the Judea's front of uh, Judea's uh, from uh, people's front and, and the, the popular front of peoples of Judea. And, and, you know, it's the same thing. If you look at Latin American guerrillas in this period or in Africa or even in Asia, you see all these, these uh, the divisions and uh, people trying to make a difference in the world. But that really all most of what they do is to talk, you know, and complain. And, and, and in some cases they do fight, but they split up and they don't get anywhere. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, we've definitely discussed the film on the podcast, but I don't think it's been nominated before for the library. So I think that's a very <laughs> um, excellent nomination, although it's slightly awkward because, of course, it has the song Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, which is going to cheer us all up. But it's a bit <laughs> awkward at the end of a podcast about the history of slavery on film to um, <laughs> kind of... That's an excellent point. <laughs> Um, But Manuel, we also ask um, our applicants to nominate a pet peeve, something um, which we should exclude from the club. Is there? um, You've mentioned in passing a few things that you'd consider. I had. I consider quite a few. I consider quite a few things. (laughs) The top of my list wasn't yesterday. Was Life of Pi, but it's not the the, the one. Um, (laughs) I I think that that uh, considering what we have been talking about, I think that that the one thing that I would like to nominate is is um, the the white savior complex in in uh, films that deal with race um, and and this is something that I have written about a little bit as well in the past I think that many many films and this is especially a problem for Hollywood they cannot really make films in which the the, the protagonists are Af- are African Americans and they don't need white people to come and redeem them and save them um, I mean Spielberg films are a classic case. I mean, start you you have all these white people actually strolling around making a difference. Um, then you have in Lincoln, it's the same thing. They actually took Frederick Douglass out of the script, even though the original script was about Frederick Douglass, so that you know mm-hmm. how far this can go. Uh, and and it happens in so many films over over the years. I think that there is one exception, one exception that I can I can actually uh, account for, which is Get Out. That's the only film I have watched in, in many, many years in which you don't get 12 Years of a Slave. Actually, it's, it's quite a, a, a good example. It doesn't have the white savior until the very end when they throw Brad Pitt in. And Brad Pitt is in the original story, okay? His character, he's, he's in the original story, right? So it's not like they, they, they could obviate him because there is a white guy who's, who, who, helps, um, who helps him escape. 
but still the white guy comes through, you know, and and it's it's quite annoying when you have so many films. I mean, you have even even Django Unchained to a certain extent. You have The Blind Side, and and there I mean there are plenty plenty of examples to look at that. So for me, I would take the white savior out. Okay, I I totally agree with you, Manuel, and I think it's you know lots of people decide this. I think we should definitely get this banned from the club. And actually, Lael Tomasina again is really very amusing in this respect. I think in the way that the the count, the kind of you know plantation <laughs> owner, does kind of he really does cast himself as the white savior. That's what he's hoping for, isn't it? Yep. I mean, literally casts himself as Jesus Christ in the film, and then. Uh, yeah, as I say, no spoilers, but um, that perhaps doesn't go quite as he intended um, <laughs> over the course of the film. So perhaps this is again why this film should be watched. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By the way, I, I, this is this is not a spoiler, but it would give a hint to people who, who watch the film. What happens at the end with the most rebel of the Africans, that story, the story that they tell at the very end, what happens to his character, I actually found a very similar instance in real life in 1825. So there, there is even a correspondence and I cannot say more because this is the end of a film but um, it's very <laughs> but, but that actually that also happens yeah. mm. well once everyone's well, seen the film we can revisit this and then talk about the ending can't we so. <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> I, I get to one life of five then yeah <laughs> exactly um, well look Manuel, thank you so much for your discussion of these films. I think uh, without further ado, it gives us great pleasure to welcome you as a member of the History Film Club. Manuel Garcia, thank you very much. Um, Now, what we like to do with all our new members is offer them a drink from the club bar, which of course can make any drink uh, historical or modern. Um, So what what drink would you order from the bar? I will have to to take some rum. I mean, I I have no choice here, right? Well, we have plenty. We have plenty. I mean, it's a, it's a sugar, it's a sugar, you know, sugar production story, and you know, that's what you drink. Aguardiente, actually, to be more precise. <laughs> Perfect. We have to make sure as it's ethically sourced, though, Alex. I don't, I don't uh, want an ethics yeah. on our bar. That is not produced by a slave, you mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think <laughs> make sure that we're um, kind of compliant. Yeah. We've searched the history of our drinks properly. We can't. Maybe we should just have a free order at the bar. We should um, mm-hmm. a bit more directive. But anyway, yes, we can. We can. We can produce rum. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. rum definitely. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, look. Thank you so much, Manuel Garcia, for your fantastic discussion of slavery on historical film and TV. Um, and thank you very much for listening. This has been the History Film Club.